you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome to a brand new football week here on Tape Heads. Bob Oshusen, longtime radio voice of the Jets, ESPN College Football. Of course, Dan Orlovsky, longtime NFL quarterback. You see him all the time at the touchscreen on ESPN. And my partner on college football, one of the best at breaking down tape. And of course, Scott Pioli, part of the architect group that put together a dynasty in New England. Longtime NFL general manager as well. We try to take you behind the X's and O's here on this podcast and give you football from the nerd perspective, which we all proudly are. And guys, it was an ugly week for the Rams. Going to drift back into the shotgun now. Put Henderson on his right hip. Going to throw it. Fires right side. Intercepted. Fired. 20, 10, 5, end zone. Kevin Fired, the AFC Defensive Player of the Month for October. Starts November with a bang. Touchdown. Titan. All right, gentlemen, how eye-opening was this result? I mean, all I heard last week was Derrick Henry's gone. Titans have no chance. Their entire team is built around him. And now you're going up against a team that many of us thought might be, if not A, maybe the Super Bowl favorite to start the year coming out of the NFC. So, Dan, how eye-opening was this performance, I guess, on both sides? Where would you start? Yeah, not all too eye-opening for me. Um, I'll start with the Rams offense. So going into the game, I thought that the Rams' offense, strength-wise, was when they got into their empty personnel sets, meaning five-man protection. They do it more and better than anybody in the NFL. And Tennessee defensively had struggled up until that point defending the empty sets that teams had given them. The caveat that I had talked about was their defensive line was coming. You know, the, the the defensive line that has started to show up for Tennessee over the last month, five weeks, is a different one than was in the first month of the season. 
And I thought the game would come down to when the Rams got into empty, which they do again more than anybody in the NFL, who won that matchup. Good offensive line, one-on-one essentially in protection versus a really good and oncoming defensive line. And it was the latter. The defensive line for Tennessee was so dominant in those situations. And it really, what it did was it minimized the strengths of the Los Angeles Rams. It minimized their identity. It minimized the thing that they feel most comfortable with. And you saw it early on in the game. The the third play of the game is a five-man empty protection. And the coverage is okay. And Matthew's going to pull back and hit Cooper Cup on a crosser. And the rush gets home. And then the second time they go to it, which is the very next play, five-man protection, the rush gets home. And that was really the difference of the ball game for me was how dominant the four-man rush with Autry and Landry and Simmons was against the five-man protection plan by the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, the pick six is a huge part of it, and then the backed-up interception was a huge part of it. So Tennessee defensively, the way they rotate and disguise their coverage, then tied to their pass rush in that game was a huge deal. And I, for Tennessee's offense, I think the word that I would say in relation to Ryan Tannehill right now would be clutch. He has become a very clutch quarterback, third best QBR in the last month of football in the second half of games. Last month of football, they had a tough schedule in the NFL as well. So, you know, the play that I love is they got third and 10. It's 21-9. There's about 12 minutes to go in the, or 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. And, uh, excuse me, in the fourth quarter. And he hits Julio Jones on a 10-yard hook route against three buzz week where the safety drops down and he moves his eyes to get the safety to come to the middle of the field. And Julio's one-on-one backside and he, plays with such great timing, vision, and anticipation with ball placement. And he gets it out right as Julio comes out of the top of his break. Julio catches, spins, and it converts that third and 10. And I just thought that play was so emblematic of how clutch Ryan Tannehill has become when they're going to need him to continue to be without Derrick Henry. Yeah, Dan, uh, just comment on a couple of things that you said and to follow up on them. You know, you talk about what the defensive line and the defensive front of the Tennessee Titans needed to do. And, you know, when I was getting into coaching and I had played defensive line in college, moved to offensive line, and George DeLeon, who was a terrific offensive line coach and coordinator up at Syracuse University, I remember one of the things he used to say all the time was, we got to get a hat on a hat. And I heard that phrase, and I heard offensive line coaches say that for the longest time, hat on a hat, we've got men covered up. But then when I got to the NFL— I remember Bill Parcells saying, okay, Scott, that sounds great. But what happens when that hat is better than the other hat? And that's exactly what happened. They had a hat on a hat all day long, you know, in the protection. But the hat of Jeffrey Simmons was extraordinary the other day. So it goes back to, again, one of the other sayings, which is, you know, in critical situations, think of players, not plays. So you always have to take into account how good the players are. And Dan, you said it. That defensive line is on the come. Harold Landry, Landry's playing well. You know, Simmons showed up in a big way this week. So to me, that was one of the factors. The other thing that was happening going into this game, you know, I, I did a piece on CBS HQ before we um, before that game, and one of the things that was standing out to me was the Rams and their opponents. And and I am a firm believer that. Once again, your record is who you are, or your record says who you are. And they were 7-1 going into the game. Every game that they played, they had gone into, you know, needing to win, and they won. They won the games that they had to play. 
But with that, they had only played three teams with a winning record. Or up to this point, they've played three teams with a winning record, and they're one and two against those teams. They had had this four-game win streak, but that four-game win streak was against Seattle, the Giants, Detroit, and Houston. The overall record of the teams that they have faced and beat this year is 20 and 40. So, again, their record is what their record is. They're one of the best teams in football. But when you go out and you've got hats that are better than the other hats, you have 12 penalties for 115 yards. Again, you know how I love to talk about clean football. Then you have the mistakes and the turnovers that were so uncharacteristic for Matthew Stafford. You know, I, you know him far better than me, Dan, but what I know from an outside observer, as a scout, as an evaluator, he is a smart player that rarely makes bad decisions under duress. The other night, he did it. He did things that were so uncharacteristic. And those two interceptions, they were costly interceptions. And then again, you add on the penalties where this was the least penalized team in the National Football League coming into this week, and they just bombed it with 12 penalties, I wasn't so surprised as we were watching the game unfold saying, if they don't clean this hot mess up in a hurry, it's not going to end well. And it didn't. Yeah. And Scott, I would say that the most surprising aspect of the game, and I would really say Tennessee as a football team right now, is how good their secondary has become at kind of their late rotation changing the picture that they're showing a quarterback. And it's it's a Rolodex of coverage. You very rarely see the same coverage two situations in a row, second and long or third and obvious passing. You don't see the same coverage. And I don't care how many snaps you have played as a quarterback or how many play games you have called as a play caller. You are trying to constantly anticipate and guess the coverage that you're going to get from Tennessee as a play caller, Todd Downing, or excuse me, a Sean McVay. And then as a quarterback, you're constantly trying to see. Because here's the thing. You get cover three, and it's three carry, well, your read is different. And you, it's three buzz, and your read is different. And it's three match, and your read is different. And Tampa two, and your read is different. And it's two carry, and it's different. It's two Tampa invert. So all those different coverages that you're getting thrown at, you're trying to figure out which one am I getting? And then when I get it, what happens is that two-tenths or three-tenths of a second that it takes for you to confirm which type of coverage it is that you're getting post-snap and the rotation of disguise, that front has an extra two-tenths of a three seconds to work. And that's an eternity. That's an eternity in the NFL. Yeah, and Dan, one other thing that that specific pick six, what you're talking about, the, the coverages and how they're changing coverages and things that they're doing – you know, Kevin Byard said after the game that he had a pre-snap communication. He just felt something and he communicated. So the coverage that they showed pre-snap yeah. and then the conversation or the communication right at the snap was yeah. something completely different because he felt something. And that's, you know, so he, he kind of went rogue, but didn't go rogue because he communicated it. And it looked mm -hmm. like one thing, it became something else. And in that split second, it created a problem. And that's one of the things, you know, when you have smart defensive backs that can communicate well and linebackers, and they can cover for one another when they're going to do something pre-snap just because they're sensing something or seeing something in a formation or they see the eyes of a receiver or of a back, mm -hmm. they can make those adjustments in-game 
and they will work out. It yeah. doesn't always happen. But that was one of the cases where that was a really tough one for Matthew Stafford. Yeah. And, and just a quick 30-second thought, guys. Can I throw one more thing out there about Ryan Tannehill? Back to yeah. the, the thought that Dan had about him being clutch. Yeah. You know, I was watching that game. And it looked like the Rams offense was starting to get into a rhythm in the second half. It looked like they were going to start to make, you know, put that comeback together. And I'm sitting there going, all right, well, at at this point now, Derrick Henry not being there is going to come back and burn the Titans, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to that point, Dan, I'm looking also like midway through the third quarter. I think Ryan Tannehill had like 105 yards passing. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there saying, all right, well... Now, the fact that Ryan Tannehill all of these years has just leaned on Derrick Henry and lived (laughs) in play action, it's going to... And then he threw that ball to Julio. I remember the exact ball you're talking about, and and that was the thought that came through my mind. He seems to be the kind of guy that makes a throw at the moment it needs to be made. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if both of you guys have just a 30-second thought going forward with this offense, like schematically... Do you keep on doing what you've always done, even yes. with Derrick Henry gone? Or, hey, I've got Julio. Hey, I've got A.J. Yeah. Brown. Hey, I've got these tight ends. Like, Scott, what do you do? Like, do, do you change the way that you play? Or do you still run the Derrick Henry offense with just without Derrick Henry? You know, we talked a little bit about this last week, and Dan brought up a great point. They're a pass-first defense. I mean, offense, right? They pass. It's play action. My big concern was going to be, can they have the threat of the play action Without Derrick Henry, is there going to be enough fear instilled or the object of a running back that would hold the linebackers and or safety for a split second? So I think we decided last week they need to stick with what they've got. And here's the other thing. You mentioned his numbers and what he was doing in that game. You know, there were a couple of really, really big drops by A.J. Brown and the Titans. His numbers would have been better, meaning Ryan Tannehill's. What they need to do is make sure that they hold on to the ball because some of that lack of production on paper didn't show up because there were flat-out drops by A.J. Brown. I would say that you 100% keep the identity of your offense. That is who you are. That is not only who you are with Derrick Henry. It's who your offensive line is. It's who your receivers are. It's who your quarterback is. So it's it's not, you know, you got to do everything that's best for all the pieces of your offense. I think with the way their defense is playing and the way that their front is playing, their identity can't change because they've built their roster around trying to get a lead via the air or throwing the ball early and then salting games away with the run game and, you know, the defense. So I think that's the way that the roster is constructed. And you just got to continue to trust Ryan Tannehill that if games come into the second half, he's good enough along with those receivers to make plays in the drop back game. Yep, well, it was a really, really impressive win. And you're right, he made the big throws when he had to make them. Yeah. And another guy that made huge throws when he had to make them was Baker Mayfield. Are the Browns better without Odell Beckham? That's something we're going to talk about when we come back. And also, where might Odell Beckham land? What teams make the most sense for him? And what type of structure do you have to have in place to bring him in? We're going to talk about that when we come back on Tape Ends. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome back to Tape Ed's Bob Oshusen, along with Scott Pioli and Dan Orlovsky. What a win it was for the Browns. Here's what Kevin Stefanski had to say about the perseverance of his guys after their victory over the Bengals. I would tell you, Nate, that that's, our guys are pros. And in this game, there are going to be things that come up week to week uh, that, that you have to address and deal with and, and move on. And that's what we did. And I felt like the focus was there all week. Well, they did have tremendous focus, and there was a lot to draw their focus away. Obviously, Dan, you you talked about this this past week, that you can make an argument that Baker Mayfield just looks better out there without Odell Beckham. Uh, Is that the case? Is their offense better when you remove (laughs) Beckham based on what you saw on Sunday? Yes, that's been the case for years. It's two years now, Uh, and I think Sunday was just an emphatic one because it came after the week that was so noisy and loud in relation to Odell Beckham. So there's a couple parts of this game that stood out to me, Bob. I know we only focus on Baker Mayfield, right? I think, first of all, Kevin Stefanski, their head coach and play caller, is a better head coach and play caller without Odell Beckham Jr. My comments have nothing to do with the negative aspect of Odell or any negative aspect of Odell. It's just breaking down why they're better. Kevin Stefanski, as a play caller learned, cut his teeth, and grew in the coaching world because he learned how to attack defenses with scheme rather than people, okay? So that's the biggest thing to understand when it comes to Kevin Stefanski. When you have a player comes in like Odell Beckham, that becomes deviated because you try to think of, okay, I really want to design this play to attack this coverage, the Donovan Peoples-Jones play, but... Where do I place Odell on this? Because if I have Odell as the receiver, I might not get the coverage I want. 
It's always about Kevin Stefanski designing plays to attack defenses. And then Baker Mayfield, when it comes to playing quarterback in this offense, I've heard people say, well, just put Odell at number one. What I've tried to get people to understand in relation to a lot of offenses, and specifically this one, is number one is dependent on what the defense is. You know, if I call a play and it's cover two, well, number one might be this guy. And if it's cover four, number one might be this guy. And it's cover if it's man coverage, number one might be this guy. And when Baker plays without Odell, he just runs the play. Okay, the play call is X. What's the defense? Where's my guys? Instead, when Odell is on the field, he often gets play call is X. Where's my guys? What's the defense? And that's where the difference between Baker is. And you saw it, you know, I did a breakdown on Get Up this week of, you know, Anthony Schwartz on an in route out of empty. You know, just because it's man coverage, he becomes number one and bang, you know, Baker sees it in time and hits it. Or the ball in the fourth quarter to Donovan Peoples-Jones on a go route. Well, it's just because the type of coverage that he got made him number one. He's not looking for people anymore. He's looking for what the defense is giving him. And then I think the reality is, Scott, Bob, like the Browns' best personnel group, candidly, is 13 personnel. <laughs> one back, three tight ends. That's their best one because they can play in their physical run game and they could Absolutely. also throw the ball really well out of it. So when, you know, like this team is just better because their best players are their tight ends. Well, outside of Nick Chubb. And so they're, that, that's when they're at their best. So there's a lot of reasons why. The team, the quarterback, and the coach are better without Odell. Yeah, Dan, you talk about the 13 personnel. It's absolutely, we've talked about that, you know, weeks ago. When they go yeah, to three yeah. tight ends and they bring in the threat of running the ball, I mean, with the two backs that they have, Nick Chubb, and I know Kareem Hunt's been injured, but they have that one two threat. But also, Kareem Hunt, in terms of throwing the ball out of that personnel grouping and right. the tight ends they have so many things they can do it and and, and here's the other thing i want to add in in terms of what they become as a a running team and and just up front because i think their offensive line is outstanding everyone talks about the cowboys their offensive line has played and produced so well you know last year in two, yeah. 2020 they brought in bill callahan to be their offensive line coach and a lot of people that look at Bill Callahan in his past, they remember those moments of when he was a head coach or an interim head coach at different stations and different stops. I remember Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach, who has consistently been one of the best offensive line coaches in the National Football League, in college mm -hmm. when he was there. And, and, you know, part of my background, I got very spoiled with some of the offensive line coaches that I was around. And I saw how important they would become in terms of the yeah. production of an offense. You know, when I first got into the National Football, I, I got to mention earlier working for George DeLeon, who was a fantastic offensive line coach. Then I get into the NFL, and our offensive line coach at the Cleveland Browns is Kirk Ferentz. The assistant offensive line coach mm. is Pat Hill, mm. who goes on to become, you know, the head coach of Fresno State. And Pat, in his own, in his own way, when he was at the University of Arizona under Coach Tomey, when they had a really good offense. So Pat was the assistant offensive line coach. Go to the Ravens; they're still both there. Then I get to the New York Jets, and we have Bill Muir, who is an incredible offensive mm. line coach. Then I go to the you know, up to New England, and we've got Dante Scarnecchia. And I keep mentioning these names that are these premier offensive line coaches, and they had so much to do with the success of the offense because what they could do and what they would do is identify, along with the genius offensive coordinator minds, is, okay, 
this is where my limitations are on the offensive line. We need to find a way to protect the quarterback. We're going to have to chip. We're going to have to keep a tight end. We're going to have to mix certain things up in terms of our protection. We need more play action. You know, and then I, as the career continued, Dante Skarnecchia up at up at New England, then having Bill Muir out in Kansas City. So I got very spoiled and understand the importance of a really, really good offensive line coach and how they can help the entire offense. And again, getting Bill Callahan was really important for the Cleveland Browns in 2020, and he's doing a terrific job now. Yeah. I also think the Browns' defense played so well. I mean, in totality, this was the Browns football team that I certainly thought we were going to get this season. And, and when still could. Yeah, yeah right? you, correct. I mean, look, yes. this, this could be a jumping off point for them where once they kind of clear the drama out that they were having to deal with, I mean, they they looked like a team that has the capability yeah. to go out and now maybe go on a run. No, you're you're that you're totally right, Bob. I mean, that's a fair point. Is there's a lot of season left, huge game coming this week against the Patriots. Uh, but this was by far the best performance defensively, the most complete performance. John Johnson creating a turnover, their safety that they brought over, Miles Garrett right now. Looks like the defensive player of the year. When their secondary is healthy, Newsom's healthy and Denzel Ward is healthy, they, they're really good. And they're a zone-based defense right now. But what I saw against Cincinnati was a team that when they're healthy and locked in playing man coverage, goodness gracious, they can play man coverage. And that's a difference maker for, for defense in the NFL right now. If you can do that, because playing zone is what everybody's doing. But if you can lock teams up in man, so... You know, I think that, I don't, again, I don't want to pin everything on Odell was the reason why, blah, blah, this and that. But, you know, sometimes when you remove X, you know, less is more type of thing that they've decided to move on and their quarterback played well and their head coach, you know, it's, it's, it's not that just that the quarterback gets free, it's the head coach gets free. And it's maybe not just with play calling either. And so, you know, if, again, if we get this version of the Browns moving forward, this would be a huge game against the, the Patriots this weekend. And then the rest of this season, this could be a, a springboard type of effect. I got to see them do it two times in a row. Well, and the other aspect to the story, of course, is where does Odell Beckham go now and what team might be a fit for him? And Scott, I think, you know, kind of a fascinating parallel. You know, you were in the room back when your group was deciding, is Randy Moss the right fit? Here's an extremely talented player, perceived to have some baggage. We bring him in. Can we make it work? Well, I think it's probably safe to say you guys made it work, right? All Tom Brady did was throw 50 touchdown passes. You guys almost had a perfect season. So obviously you figured out the right formula to make it work. So if you're in, and I don't know if you have maybe particular teams in mind that you think might be the right fit for a talent like Odell Beckham, but take us inside that room. What's that conversation like? And what do you think is the structure that needs to be in place to bring Odell Beckham in and have him be the right fit for what team? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make that prediction. And, and I also I want to be clear on, on the Randy Moss thing. Um, people keep drawing this comparison, this this parallel. And and, and I, I think it's unfair and I, I don't want people to do it because I know Randy Moss and we knew Randy Moss. Randy Moss um, was very misunderstood and had some unfair labels. He also had a life path that he, you know, he he has had said himself that he started to mature. So I don't know where OBJ was. I know that when we met with Randy, we knew where Randy was at. And we didn't think Randy was the again the malcontent that he was being labeled. We didn't think he was any of those things. There was this public image of him because of some of the things that he had done. But again, without getting into all the reasons that I believe 
Um, he was made out to be a worse person than he ever was. Randy was never a bad person. And and and, mm-hmm. and I don't know if OBJ is or not. I'm not saying he is. So I, I, I always want to tap the brakes when people, they talk about what we did with Corey Dillon, what we do with Randy Moss. And, you know, we met those players where they were. And I know that's a common phrase, but I will say this. Where those players were, they were all in. We didn't have to manage Randy Moss. We didn't have to manage Corey Dillon. They were fine. Again, their reputations that preceded them was nothing of what we got. So it wasn't really us making them better people or better players. They were what they were. Now, you, you know, what I do want to talk a little bit about, Bob, is is the situation in Cleveland, because I have been a part of circumstances similar um, to that. And you're sitting there in a situation, and you know that you've got this distraction, it's not a full-blown thing, but you're starting to see week by week there's these drips of information getting out. And then, you know, you get the video that came out um, that I, I think allegedly was his his Odell Beckham Sr., I believe. Again, I don't know what that what the truth of that was. But there was clear there was a problem because then the Cleveland Browns made sure that they got out publicly that, listen— <laughs> And then no one had a name attached to it, but a number of uh, of reporters um, started speaking about, well, you know, he's an undisciplined route runner. He's open, but he's in the wrong spot. So both sides started to leak their truth out. Again, doesn't matter who's wrong, who's right. Both sides were starting to leak it out. And what happens in a situation like that is, okay, we've got a distraction. The player's unhappy, we're unhappy. Both sides need to make a business decision. You have to understand with every decision, there's going to be unintended consequences. So as the Browns were getting ready to make this decision, they understand that they've got someone who's demanding their way out and trying to force their way out. If they would have just let him go and get what he wanted, they would have been setting a precedent that becomes a problem in the future. That the next time that a player wants out, they know that, hey, if I just act and do what Odell did, I can get out. And that's not a good way to run your business because there's always going to be unhappy that's employees. True. And the other thing is this. We had a situation where player wasn't doing the right thing. Um, he was being public or his agent was being public. We were trying to manage the situation. He started doing things. So we had to start finding the player. We had to suspend the player. You start this back and forth. But here's what happens. When you as a club start treating a player that way where you either find the player or suspend the player or do things, what happens is the players have a union and the NFLPA will come at you and file a grievance that you are inconsistent in your treatment of players. Why did you suspend this player for being late for meetings, but you didn't suspend this player? Why did you find this player the max, but not this player the max? So when you start moving forward in in situations and circumstances like that, there's so much that you need to think of big picture. And one of those big picture things is setting precedent and how you're going to handle not only that situation, but other situations moving forward, because you may lose in the NFL's court of law. And the other thing I'll say about, about this is when situations like this are going on, your entire locker room is watching. They're watching mm-hmm. what the head coach does. They're watching what the front office does. They're watching what the owner does. Because regardless of what fans think, players like OBJ can be polarizing. And there's a ton of people who are loud and speaking bad things about him. And there's a lot of people that love him. And the people that love him are in that locker room. They're in the training room. 
They are in the video room. They're in different places. So it's going to be, everyone is paying attention to how you handle that situation. And if you scorch the earth by embarrassing the player or mistreating the player publicly, you have other problems and seeds that are planted to have future problems with players. That's awesome. That's just awesome perspective. And you're right, because the fans and the media, oh, get rid of them. Oh, move on from OBJ. Just dump them. And it just goes to show you how many different, like, you know, branches to that tree there are that a general manager and a coach has to think through before you just out and out say, okay, so just get out the door. And hey, look, there's another quarterback out there that is making plays at an MVP level for his team, and that is Lamar Jackson. Can they keep living the way they're living and winning the way they're winning, though? Huge win for the Ravens. Survive against the Vikings. How they did it. That's something we're going to talk about when we come back on Tape Ends. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Well, it was a back-and-forth, wild, slingshot affair between the Minnesota Vikings and the Baltimore Ravens as we return here on Tapeheads. Bob Oshuz and Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. 21 rushing attempts in the game for Lamar Jackson. That was something Coach Harbaugh was asked about after the game, and he gave a pretty pointed response. I don't know. We won. Unsustainable, though. Whatever. No long-term. No long-term sustainability observations. It's It's not even relevant. 
Would you rather not run 21 times today and lose the game? Crazy to even suggest that. So it's not even a relevant question to be answered. We don't plan on running them any number of times. We plan on running as much, throwing as much, handing it off as much, blitzing as much, playing zone coverage as much as, as you think it takes to win the game in the game. And that's really what you do. So the sustainability questions are like, man, life is short, run to the ball, trying to win the game. And we can certainly understand why the coach feels that way. Having said that, guys, though, is there an expiration date on a player like Lamar Jackson playing the way he has to play to win games, right? I mean, if you if you have to run him 20 times or more in a game, is that a world you can live in as elusive as he is? At some point, is he not going to get hit with a kill shot and now all of a sudden your season falls apart? How you balance that, Scott, when you're you know putting together your roster, you got a backup quarterback, can he run the same stuff? To, I mean, obviously he can't do the same things Lamar does. It's just that balancing act when you're having the discussion during the week, game planning for a game of what you want to do with a player that plays the way Lamar does, knowing how important he is to your team. Yeah, and again, I don't think you want to make that your general practice, right? That that's, in a, and I think Coach Harbaugh was saying that this is not how we want to game plan for games. And I don't think you can or should. That's what they had to do to win that particular game. And I think Lamar is also much smarter than that where he knows that he that doesn't have a very long shelf life because the game is different now. Yes, they protect the quarterback in the pocket. Yes, we've got rules that that protect ball carriers uh, a little bit differently, but there's still a lot of issues that can come with that because the other thing that you think about from a front office standpoint, at some point in time, that rookie contract runs out and the quarterback, if he's as good as Lamar, is going to be your team's highest paid player and he should be your highest paid player. So when you see activity like that on the field, there is this little bit of discomfort. You're squirming in your chair a little bit, just like the coaches are squirming on the sidelines. But again, if you try to take that away from him too much, it's part of his gift. It's part of his magic. It's part of the team's success. It's part of what the team is depending on him doing. But I don't think that you can live knowing that your quarterback or go into it and game plan runs. And you don't want your quarterback running 20 times a game uh, because it will have a short shelf life moving forward. Yeah, I agree in, in many aspects, Scott. I'd say, first of all, um, I used to think that Lamar, this wasn't sustainable because, you know, what quarterback do we have evidence of running this much and being able to play a really long period of time? The only guy that I could think of would be Cam Newton. Now, the difference between Cam and Lamar is Cam was an absolute battering ram. And the kind of the difference with Lamar is, you know, honestly, watch the games. He doesn't take big hits. And he's got this incredible ability. I call it spidey sense in a way of <laughs> avoiding big hits. You know, he's always, Kyler's very similar in, in that aspect as well. Um, and so I, I think that while I've in the past been so hesitant to have a guy run like this, until the run ends and him taking unnecessary big hits, then the, uh, the, my concern of it has wavered. The second thing I would say is this. 20 runs, yes. Only nine of them were designed runs. 11 of them were creative. Drop back pass. They're down 14 at halftime, essentially, with the kickoff return in the second half. So they're in a much more throw-heavy situation, and Lamar is just going to be a playmaker. So I can't crush the Ravens. They're going, oh, gosh, you can't keep doing this, guys. Lamar had the ball in his hands and was making plays. So that was more him being a scrambler. 
Um, I thought Lamar was remarkable in the second half, bad in the first half. I don't want to say bad in the first half. I, I think the Ravens offense has gotten a little drunk with throwing the football downfield. You know, it's it's they they had more 20 plus attempts in the last two weeks coming into this game than anybody in football. That's just not who they are. And that was really the case in the first half. And you saw the, the interception at the end of the first half that kind of showed that. What I liked in the second half was two things. Rashad Bateman, their first-round rookie out of Minnesota, has become the hands-catch guy. The, I got to get a throw into a tight window, a contested catch. It's an important conversion. Bateman's become my guy. And while Lamar was great, so was Rashad Bateman. And then Hollywood Brown is a guy that I have been incredibly critical of. And one of the reasons was is he was a one-trick pony, so to speak. All you, all you can do is run down the field. And then two out of every 10 times, you drop it. And I like the fact that they used Hollywood on the perimeter almost the way the Chiefs used Tyreek Hill. We're going to get the ball in his hands out in the perimeter. And so it went from throwing the football down the field so much to we're going to get the ball to the perimeter. Bateman's going to make contested catches. Hollywood, go make something happen. I thought Hollywood did that three or four times of turning something into nothing or little into big. And I wanted to give those guys their props in relation to how great Lamar has been. I think the Ravens have issues. Um, their defense, if their defensive line does not dominate, you can get after that secondary, specifically if they don't get hands on you at the line of scrimmage. So I think Lamar was amazing. Those two receivers stepped up, but I'm still hesitant that the team can sustain this play given how dependent on the D-line the defense is. And Dan, just to follow up one thing that you said that it was part of Bob's question, which was a great question, how sustainable is this? You know, you mentioned how he doesn't take direct hits, meaning Lamar. And I go back to a phrase I heard early on in my scouting career was a, a scout talking about how the quarterback didn't take hits. Like a good boxer, he didn't take direct punches. And I remember this scout t- talking to me about Muhammad Ali and his greatness early in his career, how because of his quickness and his ability and his movement, he was able to knock guys out because he could slip punches as well as any boxer in in the sport. Then came Sugar Ray Leonard, who never really took many hard hits. Could they just have that ability to slip punches? Lamar Jackson has that ability to slip punches, slip hits. But again, as the career goes on, that ability to slip those punches may deteriorate. Well, they will kick off Thursday night because that is the start of week 10. It's going to be after a 21-carry overtime kind of slugfest with the Vikings, right back at it on the short week for the Ravens on Thursday night in Miami against the Dolphins. So that'll be a game that we're going to talk about. We'll also, when we come back on Thursday, be talking about was it, how eyebrow-raising a loss was this for the Cowboys and a quarterback that we could be overlooking this season. There's a guy that's not getting a lot of publicity, that's kind of under the radar, keeping his team in the conversation and having a great year. Those are things we're going to be talking about when we come back with another episode coming up on Thursday. We'd love for you to rate, comment, and subscribe. We'll talk to you Thursday. Thanks for being a tapehead. Tapeheads is a production of iHeartMedia and the NFL. You can download the Tapeheads podcast on the iHeart app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.